Welcome to Darren Daily On Demand, your most trusted resource to help you become better every day. Here's your success mentor, Darren Hardy. A friend of mine recently told me a story about his 86-year-old father named Ike. Ike had just lost his companion of 16 years a few weeks earlier. Ike was now staying with his sister Molly in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Molly had to leave for a short business trip, so Ike was left with her reluctant husband, Niles. One night, Niles picked up Ike from his bingo game. They're headed to a local restaurant that Niles thought that Ike would enjoy. Already a bit crabby about Niles' driving, Ike started to fidget and complain that he wasn't feeling well. As Niles kept driving toward the restaurant, Ike's complaining intensified until he insisted that Niles drive him straight to the emergency room. Niles told him to just relax, that he was fine. Well, that irked Ike, and he insisted that they go straight to the ER. Niles, with no other choice with his father-in-law, took him to the ER. Now, once admitted, a night nurse in his mint green scrubs checked out all his vitals, said everything checked out just fine, his heart rate and blood pressure up just a tad, but all within the normal range, he was free to leave. This was unacceptable to Ike. He just knew that something was terribly wrong and he insisted that they do more tests. Well, the nurse explained that the tests weren't necessary and they would be very expensive and very time consuming. I could give you some aspirin, the nurse said, but this only irritated Ike even more. And he was still insistent that they run more tests. Well, another nurse had walked into the room and overheard the exchange. She explained to everybody in the room that the medical director of the entire hospital system happened to be in their wing that night and she could go retrieve him to quickly examine Ike. He would know even better than any tests, she said while looking at her colleague. What do you say, Mr. Davis? She asked. Finally, we'll get somewhere, Ike shot back with a glimmer of brightness or sarcasm. Niles couldn't decipher. 10 minutes later, in walks a strapping, well-mannered, gray-haired doctor in a white lab coat with a stethoscope hanging from his neck. The doctor greeted Ike warmly and began a litany of poking and prodding tests, looking in his eyes, his ears, his throat, tapping on his knee, etc. He checked Ike out head to toe, all the while making sounds to himself. Mm-hmm, yes, mm, I see, okay. After a few minutes of that, he asked the female nurse to retrieve the key to the locked pharmaceutical cabinet. In a couple of minutes, the nurse returned with a key with a red tag hanging from it. The doctor walked to the special cabinet, unlocked it, and took out a particular bottle. He placed one pill on a silver tray and walked it over to Ike. This will remedy your problem, he said. You'll feel like a million bucks in less than an hour. You'll feel calm and strong once again. Better than ever, I suspect. There's only one thing that I have to insist on, the doctor said, looking steadily into Ike's eyes. You must drink two glasses of water with it. Can you do that? He asked. Yeah, sure, said Ike. The nurse walked over with two glasses of water filled to the lip. As the doctor walked out of the room, he turned to Niles and said, you be sure that he drinks both glasses. It's important. Yes, sir, said Niles. As they walked through the parking lot to the car, Ike said, I can feel it working already. And Niles observed a rare smile on Ike's face. When Molly heard about the situation with her dad, she was relieved but that he was fine, but she was concerned about the pill that he was given and how it might interact with the many other medications that her father was on. She called the hospital and was given the number to the doctor. When she got him on the phone, he explained the pill was nothing. What do you mean nothing? Molly asked. 
It had no active substance in it whatsoever, he said. It was made of starch. It was a placebo. The doctor went on to explain, I could see that your father was suffering an emotional condition. The body feeling under duress responds physically, producing real symptoms, but not from a physical condition. Belief in the pill simply calmed his emotional condition, and thus his body's physical response disappeared as well. Your father is healthy physiologically, just hurting psychologically. That, as you know, is called the placebo effect. It is another example of the power of story. Yesterday, we talked about how story sells, and the one with the best story wins every time. Story also is what improves performance, reduces blood pressure, cures diseases, makes food and wine taste better, increases the value of art, grows hair, improves your golf swing, incites ecstasy, and delivers nirvana. Most everything that you can think of and experience is a product of story. There's almost nothing story can't manifest. It has been proven time and time again. People who are highly motivated and expect a treatment or a thing to work are far more likely to experience a positive effect, a placebo effect. What's really happening here is this. Story narrates expectation. Expectation informs your mind. Your mind makes manifest. This is really a story about the awesome power of your mind. You've probably heard about the study done in 2002 that shook the orthopedic world. Surgeons and researchers took a group of 180 patients with knee pain and prefer, performed surgery on half the group and a fake surgery on the other half. The fake surgery involved real anesthetics and skin incisions, but participants didn't know if the procedure had actually been performed. Shockingly, both groups reported the same level of pain relief, meaning the placebo procedure was just as effective as surgery. This has been proven in acupuncture, chiropractic, and many other domains. You've probably been out to a fine meal, and a skillful sommelier tells you a beautiful story about a special boutique wine describing the legacy, the heritage of the grapes, the beautiful hillside with the perfect microclimate from which they were reared, and the master craftsmanship of the celebrity winemaker, etc. Aged in toasted French oak barrels, the sommelier said. This dense and velvety wine has aromas of black currants and ruby red cherries, fruit jumping from the glass onto your nose. Vanilla, cassis, and a touch of licorice will dance on your palate with anise and freshly cracked pepper on the finish, just like the burnt ends of your grandmother's pot roast. And guess what? Even if you can't exactly taste grandma's pot roast in it, your actual enjoyment of that wine will increase 100-fold. And not imagine, I'm talking your actual taste and experience of the wine will be increased as measured by an MRI scanner. The sommelier, which is part of the story framework in itself, set your expectation through story. That expectation informed your mind and your mind actually produced and registered greater enjoyment. The new golf driver doesn't hit the ball farther. The story does. Nike Air Jordans don't make you jump higher. The story does. The essential oil doesn't heal you. The story does. Apple products don't make you cooler. The story does. Almost every result that you can point to was powered by a story and your mind then making it so. So there are three parts to making a placebo work. I'll use how the doctor cured Ike 
as the reference, okay? You ready? Get your Darren Daily Journal, I'll cover these quickly. Number one, social cues. The white lab coat, the gray hair, the dangling stethoscope, and the department chief title. Along with the locked cabinet, the special bottle, and the silver tray presented pill. These were all characters in the story making. Just like gothic ceilings, candles, incense, bells, and men dressed in robes has people more likely to believe in their prayers and feel the rapture. Number two, verbal cues, the diagnostic affirmations and the confident expectation statements made by the doctor. It's better because you think it's better. The story is what tells you it's better. Number three, behavior cues, the requirement to drink two glasses of water, the repeated insistence to reinforce the pill's potency, the ritual or required effort increases your belief in its performance. Often the very act of having a prescription, official looking document written on your behalf, having to go to the pharmacy and wait in line for it, the opening of the bottle and the swallowing of the pill, that very behavior and ritual is often the cue that provides the cure. Verbal, behavioral, and social cues are three parts of the story that frame expectation and activates the power of the recipient's mind to actually deliver on the expected result, whether they know that it is a placebo or not. Pretty powerful stuff, right? Here's a key point. Don't just hand somebody a pill. You have to power it with story. Don't just hand somebody your product or project. You have to power it with story. Don't just tell your kids or team what to do. You have to power it with story. You now have the power of the placebo in your hand. I only ask that you use it as a force for positive influence.